morning. Hey, before you have a seat, why don't you turn to the person next to you and shake their hand. Say good morning. I know everybody's all right. Quick down there. Say good morning to somebody. Great job, dude. Thank you. Love it. All right, all right, that's enough. Quit acting like you like each other. All right. Good morning. Morning, yeah. Great morning out there. Well, um, We've got some exciting news, a little bit of a change, a shift here for Mission View, just a little bit. Um, we have one of our staff members uh, is feeling God's call to foster children. And um, as her and her husband have been praying about this for a long time, they feel that it'd be best for her to kind of step away from the staff and invest all her time in family and fostering. And I don't know if you know this or not, but we have a ton of people here at Mission View that foster and, um, and then adopt or, or just continue fostering. And it's, it's, it is an awesome, awesome thing to witness and see. It's a beautiful picture. Actually, I'm going to talk about it a little bit this morning in this sermon. But uh, Sarah Mast is going to be um, stepping away from Mission View staff, and they're going to uh, pursue fostering her and Aaron. So um, what I wanted to do is just give uh, you, Mission View, an opportunity. I'll share a little bit about what Sarah does. Sarah uh, was le is leading our women's ministry. She'll be stepping away from that. She uh, helps out in the office with assimilation. She um, proofreads everything. She was very kind this past uh, week, and she gave all of us grammar tips on how we need to uh, follow through on doing everything properly. But she is, there is so much more to Sarah than all those things. Uh, I've been blessed to have many deep theological conversations with Sarah. If you have an opportunity to talk to her, she is a wealth of wisdom. Just, it's a real gift that she has. And um, she's, she's not going to stop serving at Mission View Church. She loves Mission View Church, and she's going to be actively involved here. Um, this is just her um, being obedient to the Lord and, and doing the fostering. But why don't we just um, show our appreciation and love for the, the, what Sarah's done for Mission View. So we're excited. We are very excited for the Mast family, and we know God is going to do amazing things uh, through them and with fostering. So, so praise the Lord for that. Who here likes getting gifts? Anybody? Anybody like gifts? Aren't they great? I love it. Christmas is 72, 72 days away, people. 72 days away. I only, I only know that because I was in Holmes County shopping yesterday with my parents, who are here, by the way, mom and dad. And my mom and dad are right there, are here this morning. Uh, they, were, they were camping in Holmes County, so me and my wife uh, drove over there with our daughter Adeline, and um, we were doing some shopping and, and eating the amazing food in Holmes County, right? And uh, so we were shopping, and we were walking by one of the shops, and it said 73 days till Christmas, so not, that's the only reason I know 72 days. But we love gifts, right? Who doesn't like getting a gift? One of my favorite gifts to get are, are gift cards. Do we have any other gift card people in here? Yeah, right? Those are like the best. Because you can like go out and, and, and do the gift card thing. And one year I got a ton of gift cards because people, you know, figured it out, I guess. And um, 
I had all these iTunes gift cards. And with technology and stuff, I enjoy technology, but sometimes it's a little more difficult to use, you know? So I get this, this iTunes gift card, and I'm getting online. I'm like, how in the world? Where do you go to, to use this thing, right? And I, I, want, I had all these movies I wanted to get. I had some music I wanted to buy. And so I'm on there, and I'm on there for like 15 minutes. And I'm like, where do you use an iTunes gift card? And I had to Google search how to use an iTunes gift card. It was awful, you know? But I get to the page, I finally get to the page, and at the bottom of the page, it has this huge block, and it just says, redeem, redeem. I was like, cool, you know? And I hit the redeem button there, and I could just write into my account. There I had like 25 bucks. I could go and buy a movie and buy like five songs. It was great. But today we're going to talk about what it means to be redeemed. What it means to be redeemed. So if you have your Bibles today, go ahead and open up to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We have just, as you're turning there, I'll give you a little bit of background on what we've been talking about here at Mission View. Um, over the last few weeks, we've gone through the book of Philippians. And uh, it was a sermon series entitled, Finding Joy in the Journey. And uh, just a, a really great, deep look into the book of Philippians. Um, if you didn't have a chance to to catch that, you can check it out on our website and watch the uh, past sermons and uh, see what we looked at, see what, what, what God's Word had to say about joy and how we find joy in the journey. Today's sermon is just, we call it a one-off. This isn't a sermon series. This is just a dive into the book of Galatians, and we're going to be um, uh, starting uh, the book of 1 John next weekend. We'll be going through the book of 1 John. So here, uh, just give a little bit of background on Galatians. Okay, so Paul's writing this letter to the church in Galatia. And they are being terrorized by Judaizers. Now these Judaizers were people who, who were trying to draw them back to the law, the Old Testament law. You see, God's people had lived under the law for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And, and it was all these things that they were supposed to do. It was a list of do's. And a list of don'ts. And they had lived their life by that for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It's called the Old Covenant. But Christ came. Jesus came. And he said, I have come to bring you a new and better covenant. Grace. And so Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. And then he died a sinner's death for you and me. He died on the cross. Jesus Christ, the God-man, it was God in the flesh here for us. He allowed his creation to kill him on the cross. On the third day, he rose again, amen? Conquering sin and death. And uh, then he was witnessed by over 500 witnesses and then ascended into heaven later on. So this, this new covenant was, was grace, and it was this idea that, that God had done all of these things for us, and, and, and acknowledging that and seeing that, we were, we were just broken, and, and we were amazed, and we were so grateful and so thankful that that, that thankfulness and, and gratefulness and that grace and mercy of God propels us and compels us to love him more and to, and to walk out anything he would have us, that we would actually lay down our lives for the one who gave his life for us. It's this beautiful picture of grace. And now these Judaizers are coming into Galatia and they're saying, oh, no, no, we need to go back and we need to do the law and you need to earn God's love by doing this, 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 and this. And it's not free. It's not free for you. 
So this whole book of Galatians is written to the church in Galatia addressing this issue. Paul even says in a part of the book, he says, who has bewitched you? Who has, has brought this? And he uses some of the strongest language Paul ever uses. Actually, I would say it's probably some of the strongest language in the entire Bible addressing these Judaizers. So this is serious stuff. He's, I mean, really serious stuff. We're going to pick it up right in the middle of the book, right in the middle of how Paul's addressing this and, and, and really hit it hard. So now let's pray before we read God's word this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we thank you for this time of worship that we've had. That we sing these songs to, to you, our King. That it focuses us on who you are and what you've done for us. Father, as we open your word this morning, soften our hearts to receive the truths that you would have for us. God, I pray that you would use me as your vessel. Give me the words to say and the way to say them. For your kingdom and, and for your glory, God, we lay down our lives for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here in Galatians chapter 3, let's read verses 10 through 14. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed Okay, go ahead and underline that word or circle that word. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. God's word for us this morning. And I'm so excited about this week's sermon. As I've studied and read about this topic, I couldn't help but be overwhelmed with the gravity of this word redemption or redeemed. This isn't a simple word and the, the relevance and gravity of this goes to the very core of who we are as Christ followers. It, it defines us and gives us a grid or a foundation on which we can build. In this word, redeemed, we find our very identity in Christ. Have you ever thought about who you are? I mean, really, who you are. Many of us equate who we are with what we do. I've talked to so many people, and I'm like, hey, how are you? You know, and, and, and who are you? Well, I'm a dentist. Oh, well, I'm a lawyer. Oh, I'm, I'm a teacher or whatever it may be. Maybe we equate who we are with what we do. Or maybe we equate who we are with how others see us. Oh, I'm, I'm popular kid. Or I'm the funny, funny guy or gal. Or I'm, I'm the outcast. Or I'm the second child. Or I'm the middle child. We 
can get so lost and, and confused about who we are, but as we look into God's word today, we are going to see an amazing picture come into focus that reveals who we are in Christ and gives us hope and, and strength and peace as we build our lives around this very idea of being God's redeemed people. God's redeemed people. When we think of the word redeem or redemption, many things come to mind. You know, I, I think about uh, sports analogies, right? This pitcher goes out and he gives up five home runs, 25 runs in one game. And you hear the announcer after the game, you know, maybe the next time around in the lineup, he'll, he'll uh, rotation, he'll, he'll redeem himself. Or, you know, the quarterback that goes out and throws three interceptions and throws for negative yards, you know, maybe next week he'll redeem himself. You know, this word redeem, here's, here's what this word means. It's defined in the dictionary to compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something or to gain possession of something in exchange for payment. We see two things here about redemption. First, we have to be redeemed from something. We have to be redeemed from something, a, a fault or a failure or a weakness. It means that we have a deficiency. Secondly, it means a cost has to be paid. Payment has to be made. Payment has to be made. Now, as we read in Galatians 3, it says that Christ redeemed us. From what? What did Christ redeem us from? The curse of the law. The curse of the law is the reality that we can't live up to it. The curse of the law is that we cannot live up to the law. Basically what that means is that all of us sin. All of humanity sins. In fact, in Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, in today's sermon, I just want to be real upfront with you. I've got good news and I've got bad news. Who wants to hear the good news first? Anybody? Good news first or bad news first? Okay, so you're going to have to stick with me. I'm going to give you the bad news first, okay? But I'm going to tell you, the good news is really, really, really good news. So stick with me, okay? Here's the bad news. We have all sinned. Paul makes it undeniably clear that what we need to be redeemed from is sin. We have all sinned and this, this weight of sin pulls at us and nags at us and at our hearts and it's the cause of all kinds of awful things. Without redemption through Christ, we are all under not just the weight of, of guilt and shame, but the very wrath of God. This weighs on our conscience and wears us down physically, emotionally, and, and spiritually. So Paul clearly levels the playing field and reveals that all of us, all of us are in the same sinking boat. The same sinking boat. You know, when we look at sin, there's only one way we can measure it. You know, to really get this idea, we have to start to see sin the way that God sees sin. The way that God sees it. You know, I think each of us have this, like a, this unspoken sin scale in our minds, right? 
there's like, there's, there's the, big, the big bad ones, and then there's like these middle ground ones, and then there's these entry-level sins, right? From one to 10, right? So 10 is like murder, right? That's like way up there. And then you got number one would be like that itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny white lie that nobody knows you told, that nobody figured out. It's just that itsy-bitsy thing. And somewhere in between there's, you know, stealing or lying, or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever's in there. Okay, we all have this unspoken sin scale. God doesn't have a sin scale. Think about this. God is perfect. Perfection beyond anything that our, our minds can comprehend or categorize. He is so perfect that his, his thoughts and, and his ideas and his motivations are perfectly pure. He, couldn't, he can't even think sin. He's so far away from that. And as we think about that type of perfection, or we try and wrap our minds around that kind of perfection, you know, the only thing I can think of is like, like a, a little child, and that's not even close, but we'll just use it, you know, to try. Okay, so like there's this, I, I love little kids. I love little kids. This past week, I was able to go and have lunch with Owen Nixon, a little third grader. They had pastor appreciation day at school. So, so we went, and I, or I went, and I had lunch with Owen, and we're sitting there, and these little kids, I'm sitting at this lunch table, you know, I squeeze in there, right, you know, in these little chairs, and I'm at this table with a bunch of, of second and third graders, and, and just the discussions they're having, right? It's hilarious. Like, they're talking about who's the fastest when they play tag, you know, and they're having all these other, and just, just cute, cute conversations. If you, don't, if you don't serve in community, you're missing out, or the kids' church. I mean, it's, it's amazing to, to, to talk with these kids. But anyways, we're having this conversation, just the, the, the purity of thought behind these little kids' ideas, and, and, to, and to hear them, them talk about these things. Would you take them to like an R-rated horror movie, sit them right in the front of the upcoming Halloween movie? What would they do? They freak out, man. <laughs> right? A little third grader, you know, Halloween, Michael Myers, you know, all this stuff. They'd freak out. They're, they're so, there's, they don't even have comprehension for serial killer. When they see even the smallest thing, our conscience becomes so seared. So our hearts become so hardened to murder to seeing somebody shot and killed. I mean, we see it all the time. Every movie we go to, whatever it is, you see somebody just shot. It's just, you know, bystander B gets killed every show, right? God's heart is so much more pure than a third grader's. It's not even a good comparison. So when God sees us step into sin, whether it's an itsy-bitsy white lie or killing someone, his heart is broken and it creates the same separation from God. That itsy-bitsy white lie and murder creates the same separation. The eternal consequences of sin 
are the same. Now, the temporary consequences, the earthly consequences for sin are completely different. Absolutely. But the eternal consequences for sin are the same. We have to start to see sin the way that God sees sin. We have to start reading our Bibles, coming to church, hearing God's words, sharing, you know, conversations with other believers and allowing our hearts to be softened that the Holy Spirit would do a work that only he can do, that he would begin to, to break away those hardened parts of our hearts, that we've been accustomed to seeing things that we probably should never see. And that God would start to break, break our hearts for the things that break his. That he would make us more like him. So that my heart would be broken. My heart would be broken by the sins that I commit. Those sinful thoughts that go through my mind would bring me to my knees. Here's a side note on this. To the extent, to the extent that our hearts are broken by our sin, to that same extent, we will be set free from sin. Did you hear me on that? To the extent that our hearts are broken by our sin, to that same extent, God will set us free from sin. There's the bad news. The bad news is we are all desperate. We are all in desperate need of a Savior. Of a Savior. Now, who's ready for some good news? You ready for the good news? All right. This is the good news. The first fill-in in your notes is this. To be redeemed means that we are justified. It means that we are justified. We read it in verse 11 of Galatians chapter 3. It says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. So we are not justified by the law. We are justified by grace through faith in the person and the works of Jesus Christ. We are justified Let's read about it in Romans 8. Romans 8, 28 through 30 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also what? justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. There's, man, there's some good stuff in there. Some really good stuff. So like we said earlier, before we were in Christ, we were dead in sin, condemned under the wrath of God. We were walking around full of guilt, struggling. We were actually dead. We were like zombies. We were the walking dead, walking around dead. But no more. We are redeemed in Christ. The weight of guilt is lifted. And the truth of the work of Christ on the cross relieves our guilty conscience and frees us from the weight of sin. This word justified is a legal term. A legal term. 
That there's, there's actually an exchange that has to happen in this justified. You have to come before a judge in, in a jury or whatever, and, and we go into the courtrooms and we see all types of stuff like this, right? You have to be, what, acquitted, right? You have to be acquitted. Justified is a legal term, and that's the picture that God is painting. Did you know that we have an accuser? That goes before the king of kings and judge of all, accusing us. Satan goes before God, pointing things out. Oh, look, look at Matt. Look at what he thought. You see that God, God he did right there? What's he doing? That doesn't look very righteous. No, we have been justified. Justified. Redeemed means that we have been justified. When we look to Christ and trust in him, all that God sees when he looks at us is the perfect life of Jesus Christ. It's like we have been given an impossible test. No one could pass it. No one had the answers. And there was no way humanly possible we could figure it out. So God, in his mercy and grace, sent his son Jesus to take the test for us. And guess what? He aced it. He got every question right. Now when we go to hand in our test, it's a perfect score. It's a perfect score. Because of what Jesus did for us. So the first thing about being redeemed is that we are now justified. And God sees Christ's perfect life not Matt's sin-filled life. Amen? That's really good news. Now, the second thing, the second thing we need to think about as we talk about being redeemed, to be redeemed means that we are adopted. We are adopted. In verse 14 of Galatians 3, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. We are adopted. Let's read about it later on in Galatians 4, 4 through 6. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying this, Abba, Father, Abba, it's like saying, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Man, powerful stuff. Adoption. We are adopted. You are adopted if you put your faith in Christ Jesus. Adoption is amazing. This um, past week, or was it last week? I can't remember. The days are flowing together here in my mind. But here recently, I was able to go to the Brax's adoption proceedings. You go into this. I've never been to an adoption before. Now, this is amazing. You go into a courtroom. You stand before a judge. And it's, it was a smaller courtroom, but it was packed. And there were, there were witnesses, witnesses and, and lawyers and, 
and, and all these people standing around. And the judge starts to just grill Michelle. And I got nervous. I started sweating. I'm in the back and she's like, why are you be a good mother? And I'm like, <clears throat> you know, I'm like, I'm like, I hope she does good. I hope she answers it right. You know, I'm just, I had no idea. You know, it's like, why, why would these children be better off with you than with, I'm like going, oh my gosh. You know, I'm like, I had no idea, you know, and, and I'm praying. I'm like in the back of the courtroom. I'm, I'm praying for, you know, that they'll answer the questions right and do everything right. And man, the judge is serious asking these questions. And an amazing legal thing happened. By adopting these children, you understand that you will be responsible for these children as they are your own. From this day forward, do you understand this? Yes, we understand. In those two kids' lives, in that moment, were changed. Two kids that had no parents, no inheritance, nothing, were given a life of love and care. And they were given an inheritance. And brother and sister in Christ, that is you and me. That's what it means to be redeemed. That's what it means to be adopted. We were destined. We were destined for lifeless hell with no inheritance. But God, in his love, sent Jesus Christ for you and me and said, this one, this one is worth the life of my son. That's what it means to be redeemed. That's what it means to be justified. That's what it means to be adopted. This is who we are. This is the good news. The good news of the gospel. Why, why are we meeting here in Hoover High School in an auditorium? Why do we spend the hours and hours that it takes to set up the children's areas and the hours and hours that Jesse and the bands put together to try and make this work and come in at 8 o'clock in the morning or 6.30 in the morning and try and get it all to look right? It's because we've been justified and we've been adopted and we've been redeemed. And this world needs to know that there's a God that loves them and that sent his son to redeem them because of that love that he has. There are 200,000 people in Stark County within a 30-minute drive of this place right here that don't know Jesus, that have no inheritance, that don't have anything. And they need you and me to go to them and say, it is Jesus Christ and Christ alone who's come and made a way for you and me. God loves you. God loves you. And he has made a way for you. That's why we do this. That's why we wake up early. That's why we set it up. That's why we adopt children. That's why we foster children. It's because what Christ has done for you and me. Church, that is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We are all considered sons. We all have an inheritance. You know, you read that and it says sons 
And the ladies are out there. It's like, oh, it means daughters too, right? We have to understand the cultural context it was written in. Back then, the, there was no inheritance for the daughters. It was all given to the sons. Now, we know that, that Jesus says that the, his word says there's now neither male nor female. And what he's talking about is, is this adoption. Did you know that, that God was all for equality? Men and women, equal. Now, we have different roles. God's given us different roles, but we are equal. And when, so when he said we're all sons... He was breaking a barrier culturally. And that means you ladies are looked at as sons and you have an inheritance. Pretty cool stuff. All right, let's go to the third point. To be redeemed means that we are being sanctified. We are being sanctified. That means that we are being changed by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So this, this word sanctified is a big churchy term that basically just means changed. We are being changed. I like to say it this way. God loves us too much to leave us the way we are, right? Now you may be sitting out there and you're just going, man, I, 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 like, I like how I am, right? I'm doing pretty good, Pastor Matt. I'm here on Sunday mornings. You know, I'm, I'm nice to my wife and kids. I'm, I go to Bible study. I do, I do these things. There is so much more that God has for you. So much more that God has for you. We are being changed by the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and this is just the beginning. This is just a glimpse at of what God has for us. And later on Galatians in chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, it says this. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. He's talking about being changed. That there is this holy tension that is inside of us. That there's, there's God has redeemed us. He saved us. We are adopted. We are justified. But there's still this sinful man inside of me that is at war. There's a war going on inside of me. That is this, this flesh that is pulling me towards sinfulness. And his spirit that is pulling me towards righteousness. There is a battle we have to acknowledge and be aware of. They say he's addressing this head on right here in Galatians 5. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Praise the Lord. Now the works of the flesh are evident. He gives us this long list. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Man. Is that a long list or what? But then he goes on, he says, he just gives us this umbrella and he goes, and things like these. You, know, you think that's an extensive list, but then he goes on and the last thing he says, and things like these. You know why he does that? Because the depravity of the human heart knows no bounds. That's the umbrella. And things like these. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is down in verse 22, is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, that's you and I, 
We crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. He is growing us and changing us to be more and more like Jesus every day. God is going to continue to work on us until the glorious return of Jesus, which we will be talking about. We'll talk about this later on. We need to ask ourselves. We need to ask ourselves about these fruits, right? I think these are good questions. Am I growing in love? Am I growing in joy and peace and in in self-control? Self-control. I I like to think of it this way. So if we were, if we're talking about sanctification and we take, it's like taking two steps forward, right? One, two. I did really good this week. I'm like, I'm like on par with what God has for me. And I went to Bible study. I woke up in the mornings, did my Bible study. Two steps forward this week. Praise the Lord, right? Sorry about the sound guy. I know, you know, I know I'm doing what I shouldn't do. Then the next week comes along, right? And it's like I take three steps back. I'm sleeping in, not opening my Bible. I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's just a really hard week. But then that next week, man, I go to Bible study and I, I talk to Josh on the phone. He's so encouraging to me. And we talk about what God's doing in our lives. It's like I took seven steps forward. But then I, you know, I had some sinful thoughts and I struggled. And I was like, I te- took two steps back. The next week was, man, just another good week. And then I have another good week. And you know what? About a year later, I'm looking back and I'm, I'm like, man, I'm not that guy I was last year. Man, now when I, when I open my Bible, I'm looking back and I'm just like, man, I'm a, I'm a different guy. This is really weird. How'd this happen? I, it, you know, it just, it doesn't happen overnight. God changing us and, and God growing us doesn't, doesn't just instantaneously happen. I mean, God could do that. Don't get me wrong. He could totally do that. But it, He loves to to work out that process in our lives. And as we work and Holy Spirit works and empowers us and walks us through this, man, five years later, we don't even recognize who we were. That is the picture of God's love for us, active, not separate, right here beside you and me, walking us through this life. So three things, three things that it means to be redeemed. We are justified. We are adopted. And we are being sanctified. Is that good news? Man, that is good news. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for what you have done in our hearts and what you are doing in our lives. God, we want to take this moment right now to recognize your power and your spirit. And we, we just give it all to you, all the glory and honor and praise. Anything good that comes out of our lives, Lord, we just, we just redirect it as praise to you, God. And Lord, as this gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ takes root in our heart and we understand what it means to be redeemed, justified, adopted, and sanctified, as we understand what that means, God, we want to give it away. 
God, we want to share it with our neighbors, with our family, with our friends, with our coworkers, with that guy walking down the street we've never seen before. God, we want to share this good news because it's saved us and it's changed us. And God, you are worth it. So Father, come and do what only you can do in our lives. Change us for your glory, for your kingdom, and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song this morning.